Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. How are we doing this morning, Believers Church? We doing okay? Yeah? Awesome. Well, hey, it is my privilege to continue in this series called 41. Has anybody enjoyed the last couple of months at BC? Hasn't it been fun just to look back and then look forward and Yeah, and so we're gonna keep the good times rolling today. Uh, We have one week left in this series, and next week, Pastor Joe will finish us up with our final core value. But today, I get to introduce a brand new core value to you, and here it is. We are one coffee away. We are one coffee away. I'm gonna spend the whole message unpacking what that means and what that's all about. But I thought it might be fun, instead of this feeling like a message or a sermon today, I thought it might be helpful for me to just kind of sit, which I want you to know kills me a little bit inside to sit down, and I'm going to do my best to stay in this chair. But I wanted to feel like this was a little bit more like a conversation we would have at your favorite coffee spot. And so let's just have a little bit of fun while we're on the topic of coffee. I just want you to just, you can, you can talk to me here or say to your neighbor, what's your go-to coffee drink at, when, when at your favorite coffee shop, what are you getting right now? And just, you can shout it out at me. Okay. Okay. Straight black, okay. I am, when I'm behaving, I am a light roast with some oat milk, and, uh, but when I'm not behaving, I want a couple pumps of mocha. Can I get an amen on that? Like just a little bit, of, yeah, a little of the sweet stuff. Um, all right, this is, this is gonna get controversial here. And um, I have like an owner of a coffee shop in, in, the, in my presence right now, so I feel like I'm, I'm treading on dangerous waters here. But uh, what are some of your favorite places to get coffee? Like how many people are Dunkin' people? Okay, you can make some noise if you're a Dunkin' person. The world runs on Dunkin', that's okay. Um, everybody's like, they're judging me right now. How many Starbucks people, you, the Bucks? You gotta go through Starbucks, spend $55 for two drinks. My, wife, my uh, daughter found this YouTuber that she likes, and so she now, she orders the YouTuber's drink, and it's like 67 pumps of different things, and yeah. And then, okay, so how about, who's the old school person here, and you're like, listen, you're all crazy, because McDonald's is the way to go. I just, give me a black coffee from McDonald's, and I'm set. Who is like the, the Keurig person? You do Keurig every day? Yeah, a lot of those. My wife and I got an espresso last year. I love my Nespresso. Any Nespresso people here? There's a few of us. You should try it. It's good. Make a good Christmas gift. Um, all right, how about this? How about the person that says you're all nuts because the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup? Come on, baby. <laughs> yeah, my budget says that. <laughs> I'll do the jokes around here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, that's beautiful. I love it. All right, I wanna show you a chart because I just think this would be fun. I want you to find your combo, your letter number combo up here. If anybody says A1, we're we're laying hands on you at the end of the service. I think I'm like, I'm ashamed to say, but I think I'm like D4. I aspire to be like F6, but I don't know if I'm ever gonna get there. But um, it's funny, I was thinking about earlier in life if you would have asked me, do you like coffee? I would have said, I love coffee. But the older I get, what I have recognized is that I don't think I loved coffee so much as I loved milk and cream and sugar. You know what I'm saying? Now, the older I have gotten, it's funny, I need less and less milk and cream and sugar and more and more coffee. And actually, it's funny, I was talking to my wife probably five years ago, 
and she sent me, she probably doesn't even remember this, but she sent me these ideas for a message. And I'm like, that's a great idea. And I have not found a place to use them for five years. But today, this message was inspired by Erin Caminetti. Can we give it up for her? This is good. <laughs> Bonus points. And so, um, but this reminded me of this spiritual progression that the Apostle Paul talks about. Let's read this together. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. So I want to just start this message today, and I want to lift a couple observations out of this passage. One, I think it's really interesting that Paul is describing a journey that every person is on as a follower of Jesus. And the journey is to go from spiritual milk to maturity, from milk to meat. And you might be wondering, like, well, what is milk and what is meat in the spiritual sense? That's a good question. So let's just dive into what word Paul used in the Greek to define milk. The word he used for milk is gala, and it means the basics or like the elemental teachings of Jesus. And so what are the basics? Maybe it would be something as simple as we are saved by grace through faith. We're not saved by anything we do for ourselves, lest we would boast. We are only saved by the grace of God. We're all sinners in need of a savior. Uh, we serve a God who is a triune being. He is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Just the basics, right? Now, he uses a different word for meat. He uses Brahma. Think like Brahma bull. You know, like, and meat means the deeper stuff. This is the more complete teachings of Jesus. And just a quick plug for a January series. We are doing a series in January called Deeper. And I'm really excited about it because this ought to be our prayer as a follower of Jesus, that God, every year of my life, would you just take me a little bit deeper? Would you just help me to dive into the depths of who you are? I wanna look different at the end of 2023 than I did at the beginning. I wanna look different at the end of 2024 than I did at the end of 2023. And so it's a journey, it's a progression. Now here's the second thing that I'm really fascinated by when I read this passage. Paul knows exactly who he's talking to and where they are on their spiritual journey. And so he's making a distinction between how he would talk to somebody that's a spiritual baby and how he would speak to somebody that is a fully mature follower of Christ. I think that's interesting. And by the way, this is something I wear as a badge of honor. Uh, at BC, we have such a healthy mix of both of those groups and everywhere in between. Really, as, as a congregation full of people that are following Jesus, if you reach full peak maturity, how do we mark maturity in the natural sense? It's the ability to reproduce. And so if I'm following Jesus and I'm fully mature, what it means is I'm bringing new babies into the kingdom of God, right? And as a church, we got a whole lot of spiritual babies. There are people in our groups and in this room right now that a year ago were not in church, and that is a beautiful thing. And so Paul is saying, hey, uh, babies, we talk to them differently and we look at them differently because they're in a different place. And let's read this one more time, and I just wanna highlight one final part. This is 1 Corinthians 3.1 again. I had to feed you milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. So here's what Paul is saying. Hey, I would love to be serving up some steak right now, but we're stuck on the basics. And so this is our prayer at Believer's Church. We want every single person to move from milk to maturity, from milk to meat. Because babies have babas and babies wear bibs. Adults wear aprons, right? 
Maybe in terms of coffee, since we're talking coffee today, really what our goal is, our prayer is at Believer's Church is that we could move you from a spiritual baby to a barista. From somebody that is receiving to somebody that puts on the apron of humility and says, I am here to serve other people for a greater purpose. And so this is the goal. This is the plan. And that's our prayer at Believer's Church. Now, a big reason we created this core value, if I could be honest, is because we were just kind of comparing notes and we were looking at Christians in the wild, so to speak. And one of the observations that we made of Christians that are all well-meaning, by the way, is that sometimes they have the right message with the wrong approach. Can you, can you think of a few times where you've witnessed this? I'll give you a good example. You ever heard like a really great message or seen a post and it was 100% right? Great theology. Like they were nailing it on the theology part, on the scriptural and biblical accuracy part. But like the way they were saying it left a bitter taste in people's mouths. You know what I'm saying? It was not building a bridge. It was building a barrier, you know? It's like um, the spiritual equivalent to when my grandpa tried to have me drink black coffee when I was five years old, you know? That'll put some hair on your chest, you know, and it did. And <laughs> No, but it is possible, it is possible to say the right thing in the wrong way, and what you start to do is you can actually win arguments and lose friends, you know? You can win an argument and lose a relationship. Now, here's the other side of, of the coin, Sometimes in our desire to make the gospel more palatable, in our desire to entice people to want to hear the message we have, we water down the word of God so much that it no longer is the word of God, right? And it's like, man, this isn't even the gospel at all. And so we have to be careful that we don't fall into either of those sides. And I was thinking about decaf coffee. Decaf coffee looks like coffee. It smells like coffee. It even tastes like coffee but it is void of all of the power that coffee was meant to punch and pack, right? And it's been filtered and watered down so much that it looks like coffee on the outside, but none of its properties on the inside are the same. I just pray that Believer's Church would never have decaf disciples. I just pray that we'd, we'd be a church full of people that have the real thing, the power of the Holy Spirit, but the ability and the wisdom and maturity to know how to bring that to people that really need it. Reminds me of 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, and I'm not gonna read the whole passage, but just verse five is interesting. Paul is talking about people in the last days, and what does he say? They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. And so there are a lot of Christians in Christianity that look like Christians on the outside, profess faith, but they have none of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we wanna make sure that we have both of those things working for us. Now, back to this core value. We are one coffee away. You might be wondering, like, why, why this core value? That's kind of different. Do you guys just really love coffee? And the answer is, yeah, we do love coffee, but it's a little deeper than that. I can just tell you that as we were talking with our team and we were looking at the last 40 years, we were asking ourselves, where is the most fruit coming from? And we were talking about our services, and we said, man, it's amazing when we can all gather together and worship. Isn't that phenomenal? Like, corporate worship is so cool. It's amazing when we can all sit in rows and, and be fed spiritually and learn. That's good. God even commands it. Hebrews 10, 25. Don't forsake the gathering together of the believers. So we get that. But if I could tell you in my life where I have witnessed the most change and the most good, 
It has come in one-on-one moments over a coffee across the table from somebody. It has come in connect groups. It has come in smaller settings where I can daily disciple people and lead them on the journey of following Jesus. And so we build God's kingdom through rows, but also through personal relationships. And that's what we wanna talk about today. Disciples are made in both settings. And I, I remember when I started to kind of discover the power of a coffee, so to speak, and I'm ashamed to say for the first five or six years of my ministry, I'm about 16 years in now, I tried to do everything from the stage. I tried to convince people from the stage and I tried to uh, tell them what they needed to do from the stage and there's a place for that. But where I really started to tap into the power is when I started to discover, wow, I can accomplish way more over a coffee. We are one coffee away. And here's the reality. The gospel moves at the speed of relationships. The gospel moves at the speed of relationships. I'll prove it to you. Jesus has 40 documented moments in the gospels where he interacted with people. Of the, and of course, thousands of times that he interacted with people, but 40 that were documented in the gospels. 34 of the 40 times that Jesus interacted with people, it started with a pre-existing relationship. Either someone brought their friend to Jesus or they brought Jesus to their friend. Isn't that interesting? And so it's relational. Here's the point. We can advance God's kingdom, I believe this, one coffee at a time. We can advance God's kingdom one coffee at a time. And if you're not a coffee person, you can advance God's kingdom one tea at a time, one burrito bowl at a time, one meal at a time. It's not about the coffee. It's about the relational approach. Does that make sense? And so I'm going to just read this to you because I think this will be helpful. Each week, we've taken some time and listed ways that these core values can make a difference on our Mondays. How does this make a difference tomorrow? And so I'm just going to read some statements, and we'll flesh these out, and I'll take a look at maybe three of them today with you. Here's the first one, and we'll just list them off. We are one coffee away from showing we care, from resolving our conflict, from building our team. We are one coffee away from solving our problem. I've never met a problem that a good coffee can't solve, getting across the table and talking it out. We are one coffee away from multiplying our ministry impact, from being the church, from helping people take their next step, from creating clarity, from changing someone's perspective, from building relationships, from sharing the gospel. And here's how I put it at the end. Our goal in care, conflict resolution, and spiritual development is to take a relational approach. We are one coffee away. Now we're gonna dive into just three of these today. You ready? And uh, I think this will be helpful. And what I'm gonna say is I bet one of these three is gonna be something practically you can use in your life tomorrow. So when that pops up, write it in your notes app or write it down and watch what God does with that. Here's the first one. We are one coffee away from resolving conflict. How many of y'all hate conflict? Like your eye is starting to twitch right now because we're just talking about conflict. Who's the person that says, I kind of like conflict. Like I thrive. There's always a few. There's always a few. We'll pray for you. Now, as somebody that has grown up in the same church my whole life and been in ministry for a little while, you start to see patterns in the way people handle conflict. And it's kind of sad, but what I have witnessed the most, this is just human nature, is that when we run into conflict or someone hurts us or offends us or wounds us, then we kind of just decide, hey, I'm gonna avoid it. So we step out of our connect group, we step out of our serve team and go to another part of the dream team or we go to another church entirely. 
And it's a shame because what starts to happen is there's this deep soul connection that God's created us to have, but we only have surface connections because we're not willing to walk through the pain. We're not willing to move through the awkward. And have you ever noticed that whenever the devil gets involved, he creates distance between you and God. He creates distance between you and others. And distance creates suspicion. So have you ever been in a place where somebody's hurt you or offended you or just rubs you the wrong way and you just kind of stop talking to them all together and then you see them pop up in your feed and like just everything they do irks you and it's just like the chasm grows further and further? And it's a shame because it robs us of the very relationships that God placed in our life to enrich our life and to help us to grow. Think about this. The people that grow on you, they cause the most growth in you. They just do. And it's actually the design of a community that God, just like a family, God puts you in a family with brothers and sisters, and sometimes they're knuckleheads, and sometimes they get on your nerves. But every night, what do we do? We pull up to the knitting table. We, we come together because we're a family. Same in the family of God. Now, whenever God gets a hold of something, he brings closeness. And so he wants intimacy with you and he wants closeness between his people. And, and so this is why it's a challenge. Here's why it's a challenge. Because the deeper the relationship, the closer the relationship, the greater the risk. Think about this. The closer you are, the more people see your, your flaws and your imperfections. And it is a risk to get closer to somebody. But here's the cool part. On the other side, it's a greater reward. Because the closer, think marriage. The closer I get in my marriage, of course there's the risk of them seeing my imperfections and my flaws, but there is the blessing and the benefit of intimacy. Into me, see. This is what God wants for all of us. So here's the real question. What would God's way look like? If inevitably I'm going to run into conflict, no perfect people allowed, there's a bunch of imperfect people sitting in the rows around you, serving in your, in your team, at your connect group, you will run into imperfect people. What do I do with that? Well, I always like to use this scripture, and I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but Matthew 18 says it this way. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. And if the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. And I highlighted that phrase, won that person back, because here's what we have to remember. We are not trying to win an argument. We're not trying to win a disagreement. We're trying to win a person. We're trying to win a friendship. And when we have that as our focus and that as the reward, then we interact with people differently. I was thinking in my life of a moment when I had to navigate this very thing. And it happened a couple years ago, and it was with a really close ministry friend. We had done a lot of ministry together, and he lives pretty far away. And um, he had done a few things that had hurt me, and then I, I felt like, man, I need to talk to him about it. I talked to him and I thought we were on the same page and then it kind of popped up again and he did some more things and it like picked at that scab, you know what I'm saying? And so I was just trying so hard to forgive him on my own and just white knuckling it and praying and it just wouldn't go away. And God started challenging me, you need, to, you need to go by the playbook and get to Matthew 18 and you guys need to meet up. And Matthew 18 says, after you guys have talked, if you can't reach a resolution, bring in another person that you both have respect for, and they can mediate between the two of you. So we both had a mutual friend that was a little bit older than us, and spiritually we looked up to, and we said, hey, let's meet each other. And so we drove several hours to a Cracker Barrel of all places, and uh, we met in the middle between our two cities, and we made awkward small talk while the waitress took our orders, you know, and, but it was amazing. Over the next three hours, we were honest with each other, and we 
listened to each other and we apologized and repented and, and tried to find a common ground. And by the end of it, we were laughing and telling stories and we hugged each other and we drove back our separate ways. And today we still partner in ministry together. And I would say I have won that brother and he's won me in that relationship. So it is possible Here's, here's the cool thing. When you walk through conflict God's way, not only do you resolve the conflict, but you actually strengthen the relationship. The relationship is better on the other side of it than it was before. And so that's all I'm gonna say about that, but could it be that you are just one coffee away from restoring a relationship that you thought God could never restore? One text away, one connection away, one humbling yourself and saying, I'm sorry for what I did and owning the part of it that you can I'm telling you, God could work some miracles through that. Romans 12, 17 says it this way. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I'm gonna just let that marinate. Here's number two. We are one coffee away from changing someone's perspective. Now, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna speak from my personal experience. I'm not speaking for everyone in the room. You might have a different experience. I have a guess that you don't. I have never, in all of my years following Jesus, changed someone's mind through a comment. As, as great as I worded my post on Facebook, Instagram, wherever, as biblically accurate as it was, as nice as I might have tried to have been, I have never changed someone's mind through a comment, but I have through a coffee. And so I just want to talk a little bit about the approach we take because I think it has, uh, it has everything to do with how successful we are when we try to change people's minds. And I'm, I'm talking about people that might not even know Jesus. Remember, we were talking about coming on too strong a little bit earlier, and it got me to thinking about this quote. I don't know who to attribute it to, but it's one of my favorite quotes. Have you ever heard this? Rules without relationship creates rebellion. Rules without relationship creates rebellion. So in other words, relationship gives me the right to reach people. Have you ever tried to tell someone to stop doing something without knowing them? It's a really different conversation than when you have it with your kids, right? Because they know how much you love them and how much you've invested into them. Rules without relationship creates rebellion. And I always say it this way, we've gotta let the Holy Spirit do the heavy lifting. It's not my job to change people. It's my job to love people, and then God will do the changing. I really believe that. Um, I was thinking about this, uh, this example of milk to meat, and um, I wanna just ask you if you can imagine with me for a second that you just got, it was imported from Japan. You got like the best, finest cut of Wagyu beef you've ever seen, okay? The kind where they rub, like they massage the cow every day, and they feed it beer, you know? Had, the cow had the best life, no stress, just the most tender steak you've ever had. Then we got a Michelin star chef to prepare the meal. And so he plated it real beautifully, but then he took that meal and he walked it out these doors and he went into the B Kids Junior room and he put it on a high chair in front of one of your babies. Let me ask you something. As amazing as the steak was, as incredible as the chef was, would that do any good for that baby? No. Why? Because that baby's just not capable of digesting it. And so I just want to be careful as a church that we're not trying to feed spiritual steak to spiritual infants, you know? So, some of these people can't even handle milk yet, by the way. Remember, like, they don't even know Jesus yet. 
So we have to be aware of who we're talking to and what they need. Pastor Joe has a quote that I've loved over the years. He says, birds tweet, dogs bark, sinners sin. Sinners gonna sin. Pastor Joe was a pro sinner. Like he could have went pro, you know, like. And so we have to just know who we're talking to. And I really do believe this. If we can introduce them to Jesus, Jesus can introduce them to the truth. He's really good at it. Why? Because he's the way and the truth and the life. It is impossible to meet Jesus in a personal way and not be challenged and convicted to change. Can y'all agree with that? So often when I meet people, I have my first coffee with them or, or what have you. Um, I'll be talking with them and the bells are going off because I'm hearing them say things and I'm like, that's not biblical and I could go off on a trail here and tell them, and, I'm, and, and God just says, just chill. Just take a chill pill. Just let me, just introduce them to me and let me introduce them to change. Let me introduce them to truth. And I wanna share a story with you and it's a story I don't share often. Usually I share this at camps, but I just felt like it fits so perfectly. And I wanna ask for, for a favor. Um, this story is deserving of an entire message. I could spend 45 minutes on this story and this topic. And as a matter of fact, in February, we're going to. I would actually love to interview this person one day and you'll understand what I mean in a second. So just forgive me if I can't go into every little nuance of this topic, okay? But I think it'll be helpful. So one of the most powerful coffees I've ever witnessed when it comes to changing someone's perspective happened with someone named Sam. Sam was one of my buddies that came to BC Warren. This is before BC Boardman ever existed. And Sam was on our video team, and we had gotten a couple of coffees, and Sam was actually saying, hey, I feel called to ministry, and I was just really excited for Sam. And so in between Sam signing up for a ministry internship and the moment when it started, um, someone from our church had sent me like a screenshot of Sam's Instagram profile. And what we realized is that Sam was born a biological woman, which was kind of shocking to me because Sam had a beard and had a deep voice and appeared to be a man and had presented um, herself as a man. And so... Um, I immediately knew, wow, there are some steps we have to take to help Sam follow Jesus. But I had to be, I have to be honest, like I had no clue on where to start, had never interacted with somebody with that story and, and with that situation. And so I, I prayed about it for a solid week. I asked every pastor friend I could find and none of them had ever had anything like that. Um, I've had a lot of experience with people with same sex attraction and walked through a lot of those kind of conversations, but nothing like this. And this is what God led me to do. After all of that praying and all of those questions with pastors I really respected, I felt like God just said, just lead with relationship and you need to hear Sam's story. And so we set up the world's most awkward Panera conversation, <laughs> probably way more awkward for her than me. And, um, and I, just, I just started asking Sam to tell me her story. And wouldn't you believe it, Sam had a whole lot of pain that she had walked through, some of it at the hands of people in the church. And I won't go into all that detail, but there were reasons that Sam had reached this point in this conclusion in her life. She'd already, already gone through a transition uh, surgery. And so here, this is what the Holy Spirit led me to do in this moment. He didn't lead me to pick apart biblically what she was doing, uh, didn't lead me to do any of that. He led me to love her 
And then I just lovingly pointed her to where I saw Jesus leading her, which is the same place he leads all of us, which is to pick up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow Jesus. And I said, that's gonna be a process. And I said, listen, if you never change, you are welcome at Believer's Church. If you wanna lead and you wanna walk in this ministry calling as a disciple, this is the path you'll have to take, and I just want you to pray about it. I even offered, I said, let's just read through the scriptures and we can meet once a month and we can wrestle with scripture together. And I'm, I'm open for you to try to convince me of your way and I'll do the same because I love you. So a couple weeks went by and I thought, I'm probably never gonna hear from Sam again. Well, Sam, wouldn't you know it, texted me back and said, can we have the second most awkward Panera conversation this Wednesday? And so I'm like, sure, let's do it. Well, I was blown away because we sat down and Sam was a completely different person in her demeanor. And she said, for the last couple years, I know that God's been calling me to ministry and I know that I've veered off the path. And for the first time in a long time, I started reading the scriptures because I was a little bit afraid of what they said. And I've had people bash me over the head with the Bible for so long, I just didn't know if I could handle it. But she said, God's love has so changed my heart. By the end of the conversation, this is what Sam told me. It, was, it blew me away. She said, I feel God leading me to transition back to my original gender. And I feel God leading me to minister to people like me. And in the moment, I, I can just tell you this, I had no clue what to say, and it's one of the few times in my life, because I'm never short on words, but it was one of the few times in my life where I literally felt the Holy Spirit speak through me. Sam asked, hey, do you think I need to start changing my appearance? You know, like if I'm going to be transitioning back. And I felt as clear as I could, I felt the Holy Spirit speak this through me. Let's not work on the outside, let's work on the inside first, and the outside will come along for the ride whenever you're ready. And we just surrounded Sam with people that loved on her. And we put her in a connect group with just some godly people. And today, I, I wish, again, we're gonna interview her someday because it's, it's worthy of that kind of time. But today, Sam has a ministry to people that have the same story as her. She'll go and preach at churches and share her story. She wrote a book called Identity Theft, if you ever wanna check it out. She now goes by Brittany, which is her original name. She's married and, and happily married, lives in Pennsylvania, really involved at her church. Can we just give it up for God and how he works through relationships? And I love what Robert Madu says. God did not call us to change people, but to love people and let him do the changing. Isn't that good? All right, here's the final one. We're in the home stretch. We are one coffee away from sharing the gospel. We are one coffee away from sharing the gospel. I put this in here because I recognize this might be one of the most challenging parts of our Christianity. Did you know that this is what uh, Gallup and Lifeway Research tell us, that 95% of Christians have never led one person to Christ? So, and they also say 90% haven't even given it a shot. And I don't think it's because people don't love people. I don't think it's because people don't want them to know Jesus. I think it's because sometimes we don't know where to start. Or maybe there's even this kind of idea in American Christianity that I'm gonna leave evangelizing to the evangelist. Like that's, that's Billy Graham's job. That's Pastor Joe's job. And I think it can be a lot more simple than that. Uh, Paul wrote this from prison to one of the followers uh, in Philemon 1.6, here's what he wrote. He said, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge for every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. That's my prayer for you guys. Not that you become Billy Graham, but just that you are you 
as, as someone called to be right where you are at your job and right where you are in your family or on your team or in the locker room at your school, you are just you for the glory of God introducing people to Jesus in an effective way. That's what we want. If our vision is to be a church of disciples making disciples, then we gotta get good at this. We've gotta grow in this area, right? So I'm just gonna give you a couple of very practical handles that you can implement tomorrow. You could put this into practice this week at the Thanksgiving dinner table. You really could. Here's the first thing. I like to say it this way. You got to witness from your weakness. Witness from your weakness. Now, here's what our tendency will be. Our tendency with God is to say, God, I'm not ready to share my story until I got all my stuff together. That's, that's usually how I feel. God, I'm not even qualified to share with these people what you have to say. But I want you to see again what Paul says here. This is 1 Timothy 1.15. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the biggest sinner of all. I like that. Since we're on the topic of coffee, by the way, maybe this will help you remember our approach. Coffee has grounds, right? Coffee grounds. This will just help you remember it as we go forward. I think sometimes we reach people through battlegrounds, but I think God is calling us to reach people through common grounds just to find the areas in our life that are similar to other people. And can I tell you a common ground that you have with everybody? You got weaknesses. So do I. Join the club. It's called Club Human, right? And so this is what God's calling us to. You find the common ground. We all need Jesus. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. One preacher said it this way, if you witness from your weakness, you will never run out of material. Isn't that good? There's always something to share with people. I think this is why people love Pastor Joe. Like he's so endearing because he's so authentic and he's always telling on himself, you know? Sometimes as his kids, we're always like, dad, that's just TMI. Like just, we don't need to hear that story, you know? But it is so helpful to people. I was thinking about um, my wife. This has been probably five or six years ago. She preached a message called Scarred for Life. If you've been here a while, you probably remember it. It was on a Mother's Day. To this day, one of the most powerful moments I've ever experienced at church. And it was, here's what the whole message was. It was about her revealing her scars. She talked about how Jesus' first foot forward as he came back from his resurrection was to show them the scars on his hands and his feet. And, and so listen, I just wanna encourage you. And oh, and by the way, the aftermath of that service, uh, there were, I think, two or three services that day. 39 people in the 11 a.m. service that day gave their heart to Jesus just because my wife was willing to witness from her weakness, to be vulnerable. And so you don't have to be eloquent and have a whole message put together, but at the Thanksgiving table this week, you could just say, yeah, man, I've, I've had a really rough go of it, and this is how God's been faithful, you know? And find a way, it, you know, like it doesn't have to be super spiritual and super churchy. It can just be like, yeah, man, I, I wanted to give up, but, but God. And just talk about what that looks like. And, and you don't have to do it all in one second. If you're with them every day, just little, sprinkle a little bit of salt here and there. We're called to be salt and light. You can overseason a steak too, you know what I mean? And so just don't come on too strong, but just salt it here and there. And, and it makes them thirsty for the gospel, right? 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, to the weak I became weak to win the weak. Here's the final one. We have to be available. Availability is the best ability. I really am convinced of this. I don't think God is so much looking for perfect people. I think he's looking for available people. 
when I think about how even my dad met Jesus, it wasn't through somebody that was like the best uh, preacher or communicator. It was just this guy named Lou that walked into the gym and just showed him Jesus in a practical way. Just every day, he just showed him Jesus and showed him Jesus. He just said, God, I'm available. This is a dangerous prayer to pray, but what if you even just prayed, God, this week, would you just open up a door for people that do not know you, open up a door in my life so I can show them Jesus? What a cool thing begins to happen. This is what Paul says in Colossians 4.3. He said, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. What's he saying? I'm available and I'm looking for an opportunity. I just want you to imagine for a second if an entire church got a hold of this, that I don't have to have it all together, I don't have to be perfect, but in my imperfection and even witnessing from my weakness, the areas in my life where God's strength is made perfect, that actually God could reach somebody right where they are through my life. I was thinking about just a year ago, I prayed that prayer. I just prayed, God, would you lead me across the path of somebody that needs you today. And Christmas at BC was coming up and um, I have to pray for God to lead me across the path of people that don't know Jesus because I work at a church. And so for all of you that kind of feel like, man, my work environment is rough. Can I just encourage you that you're in such a cool place because how often do we get to be around people that don't know Jesus? It's something I have to literally pray for, but you get it every day. Witnessing is the one thing you won't get to do in heaven, by the way. You ever think about that? It's something you'll never, you can only do it on earth while you're here and you'll be rewarded for it one day. But can you imagine this? One day you will be in the line to the pearly gates. I don't know how it'll look, but there will be like a judgment throne and you'll, you'll look over and you'll see the people that you sowed seeds into their life. You'll see the people that you witnessed to and they're gonna come up to you with tears in their eyes and they're gonna be blown away that you would have gone out of your way and, and put your comfort aside and your reputation aside to share Jesus with them. Lou, this, this one guy, when you think about the scope of the impact of his life, this one guy came in to witness to this one, this punk Italian kid who was addicted to drugs and hated God because his brother had passed away early and he witnesses to him. And after that, the entire family got saved. From there, Believer's Church was planted. Faith Family Church in Canton was planted. King's Church in Lakewood was planted. Bible schools all over the world were, were planted by my uncle Tony. Churches in Australia, all because of this one guy who was just available. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And This is our prayer, just that we would be a church that sees that we are one coffee away. Maybe today as you leave, God's just gonna reveal to you that there are some people in your life that you need some healing and some closure with, and you're one coffee away from resolving that conflict. And it might not happen all in the span of a 30-minute coffee, but it can start there. And maybe there are some people that God's gonna to begin to reveal to you, hey, if, if you don't intervene, they're gonna spend an eternity apart from me and you have the power and the ability to do something about it. I don't know what it is, but God's gonna show you. I bet, I bet there are some Sams in your world and in your life and they are just waiting for someone to show them the love of Jesus, not the judgment of Jesus, but the love of Jesus that will draw them, the kindness that will lead them to repentance. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. 
And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.